her black slingbacks and my brown loafers on the thick cream carpet. Soon after, the jacket was joined by her silk blouse, my cotton shirt, her black bra, my gabardine suit jacket, and the top of the Godiva box. Millie sat on the edge of the bed and faced me. I looked up at her from my knees. At age 37, Millie showed only faint traces of encroaching middle age. Her belly was definitely rounder than she'd like, and if she got too preoccupied with work, a wrinkle line might crease her forehead. Other than that, Millie had it going on. Her legs, Millie's pride and joy, was strong, taut, and as shapely as a 19-year-old gymnast's. They were at the center of her sexual self-confidence and the tools she used so expertly to woo. At our first lunch date... Millie swung them around, back and forth. I spent our lunch ignoring my steak, instead savoring the idea of nibbling the backs of her legs from ankle to ass. On this day that marked her 37th year on Earth, I was doing that and so much more. To the joy of my dentist and the delight of my Millie, I was using the Godiva chocolates as a kind of lotion. I sucked on a large chunk of mocha, then leaned over and painted Millie's small, soft breasts with a loving coat of brown sugar. Then I slowly rubbed the saliva-lubricated chocolates up, down, and across my woman's body until her skin was crisscrossed with sweet streaks my tongue was then obliged to erase. Licking a woman's body clean of Godiva chocolate is not a job for an impatient man. To do it right, one definitely needs several sweet teeth and an appetite for mocha and caramel, and hazelnut, and a woman who likes to be stirred before she is shaken, all of which I happily possessed. Before long, the brown streaks on Millie's torso had been replaced with long, wet lines of my sweat and spit. With that pleasant task completed, I slipped a beige hunk of caramel between my lips and headed downtown. Millie's agile legs curled around my head and led me down to her favorite spot, Millie's head fell back, and she let out a low, throaty moan while I rolled the caramel in a small circle around the opening to her red, grateful pussy. Millie used those firm, solid legs to control me, squeezing my head tighter when she wanted to go faster, loosening when she wanted to go slower. By the time the caramel had disappeared from my lips, the outlines of my ears were etched on the inside of her thighs. Millie slid back onto the bed, her vulva shiny and beckoning me to visit. From my pants, I liberated a green and white pack of Trojan-lubricated, extra-large condoms and smiled. I let Millie see it and then glanced at the digital clock at the head of the bed. Sweetness, I said softly, it's 6.45. I don't think we have time. It won't take that long, baby, she said, touching my penis with her toes. I reluctantly slipped out of her grip. Come on, Millie, I replied. You know how we do. You're not right, Dean, she said. Patience is a frustrating damn virtue, I said, pulling Millie from the bed and guiding her into the bathroom. We climbed into the cozy glass-enclosed shower stall together, letting the water cascade over our bodies, replacing the aroma of chocolate with the sweet scent of pricey hotel soap. A half hour later, Millie and I sat holding hands in the first row of the mezzanine of the new Amsterdam theater, watching Simba navigate the tricky path of manhood in The Lion King. As the elaborately staged show unfolded at the Times Square showplace, I kept pulling Millie's mind back to our suite, whispering, Can't wait to get you back in the room, or words to that effect. Millie loved it when I talked dirty.
and I was determined to be the man she wanted me to be. I didn't want to just be the dutiful boyfriend. I wanted the weekend to be a, a passionate manifestation of my commitment to her because in the one and a half years we'd been seeing each other, Millie often complained that our relationship was not the focus of my life. We'd met at a jazz concert by the Lincoln Center Orchestra in Central Park. As Wynton Marsalis blasted through a solo, an investment banking couple introduced me to this nice black girl from the West who happened to be involved in lending money to cutting-edge Internet technology companies. Daughter of a school teacher and a nurse, married at 23, divorced at 26, dedicated to achievement, accomplishment, and the pursuit of fun stability. A curious phrase that meant a lot to Millie. She'd passed up many a Wall Street buppy because they were too stable and not fun enough. She'd let go of a couple of music biz types who were fun but far too unstable. Somehow, I'd managed, in her eyes, to be both fun and stable. I'm not quite sure how I'd done it, but this special weekend, I plan to reward her generous vision. Our relationship had evolved organically. Three months in, I cut off my other women. Six months in, I let her answer my phone. Nine months in... We spent two weeks island hopping in the Caribbean. After a year, I allowed her, finally, to put her voice on my answering machine tape. At every opportunity, I praised Millie's cooking, her taste in clothes, even the way she handled her customers. I never complained when she left bed at three in the morning to check email, and I worked hard not to let my eyes glaze over when the conversation turned to domain names, URLs, and hits. Whenever my interest in her dot-com conversations wavered, I'd just stare into her bright black eyes and glance down at those succulent gams, and I was cool. After the final curtain, we sauntered over to Jezebel's on 45th Street and 9th, where we dined Creole-style and laughed our way through a bottle of Moet. Jezebel's, with its dark bronze lighting, antique fixtures, and embroidered draperies, always reminds me of a New Orleans bordello, or at least my cliched vision of one. Millie loved Jezebel's because it made her feel like I'm not in New York, but someplace different, someplace special. I couldn't argue with that. I felt the same. In the cab back to the Riga, I rubbed those magnificent legs while she rested her head on my shoulder. That, I'm happy to report, was the calm before a long, loud storm. With our bellies full and our desires wetted by the chocolate appetizer, we went right to the main course. Making love to Millie required patience and stamina. She never peaked quickly. I mean, if homegirl even moaned loud in the first 15 minutes, I knew she was faking. You see, Millie had a hooded clit. Things like the Godiva tongue bath were necessary to get her going because her clit, though sweet, needed substantial cultivation. So instead of one steady rhythm, I'd learned to stroke Millie with hesitating moves that broke up the beat and added drama to the proceedings. Meanwhile, she would move her legs and shift her lower body to create opportunities for that clit to be rocked at different angles. Once I found a rhythm she liked, Millie twisted herself around my head, guiding me just to the right spot. Then I'd go deep and stay regular as a heartbeat. Millie would then roll her pelvic muscles and control the horizontal herself. A lot of women let a small clit minimize the pleasure of sex, but Millie was smart and aggressive enough to understand the do's and don'ts of her fine brown frame. We started in the middle of the bed, but ended up half on, half off, with her head dangling over the edge and my head over hers, my sweat dripping onto her neck. I looked down at her, her mouth open, her eyes closed, and suddenly we were on the ledge of a skyscraper. 
The city of New York was spread out before me. The cars, the people, the buildings, a backdrop for Millie's ecstatic face. Millie was a goddess, a glowing, beautiful vision of rapture hovering over the metropolis. I tripped on this for a moment before I grunted like a gravedigger and finally came. When I woke up, I felt dizzy. Rays of Manhattan sunlight slithered around the curtain's edge. Clothes, the remote, and used condoms were scattered around the bedroom as in an abstract painting. The double doors were closed, but I could hear the familiar light taps and pings that told me Millie was online. I rolled over and worked to suppress my anger. It was 9 a.m. during a romantic weekend when people should, in my humble opinion, either be sleeping, eating, or fucking. And not in that order, either. So why was she working? A year ago, I would have caused an argument just by asking that question. And Millie would have answered, Just because you're asleep, it doesn't mean everyone else is. Or words to that effect. No need to revisit that beef. Not now. Not this moment. Instead, I went into the bathroom and stood patiently waiting for my pee to push its way past the backed-up sperm and exit. This was my least favorite part of sex, the morning after piss. It was as if your dick had to suddenly shift gears, going from pleasure center to waste disposal unit. When I opened the double doors, Millie was at the desk by the window wearing only her metal-rimmed Oliver Peoples glasses and the black Perla camisole and panties I'd bought her last summer. Her fingers raced across the keyboard like a squirrel in spring. Breakfast was spread out on the coffee table. Eggs, croissant, fresh fruit, orange juice, and herbal tea. It was a cute scene, but it reminded me too much of being at her apartment on any old weekend. Hey, I announced. This looks too normal. Yeah? Well, she said, not looking up from the screen. What?